Oh, is anyone out there? Is anyone listening? Do I need to do some sort of trumpet fanfare? Well, that was very we've masterful. Got, we've we've got put a lot an, of work into this. We've got we? an exciting announcement to make. We do. Lay Sales is engaged to Id- Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. Okay, you say. Go on. It's actually Tim Finn. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Okay, we have this is our this is the real exciting announcement. Um, we've written a book. We have. We used 2020 to write a book well, with our a friend Miranda Murphy. Um, the three of us have written a book. It's called Well Hello: Meanderings from the World of Chat Ten Look Straight. Because you know how we always say Well Hello. That's why it's called Well Hello. And um, yeah, it's I'm actually. I'm actually, I hate to say it myself, but I'm actually quite happy with it. I found it quite funny. I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, I have reservations. I'm like, oh, this just sounds like the sort of book that you know I'd hate to get for Christmas. But uh, it actually has turned out rather well. Anyway, I mean, it's sort of, it, it's, it explores some themes that will be familiar to uh, Chat 10 listeners, but then there's heaps of new stuff as well. Turns out that we've got more to talk about. I got to write about 6,000 words about music mm. and I also got to write about 3,000 words about the clock. Yeah. So I was pretty happy when because when it was when we decided we were doing it, I was like, okay, well, here's what I'll be writing, Murph. And here's the funny thing, in. though. Like, Lee Sales from day one of editorial planning is like, <laughs> okay, I'm doing my top ten list for this, that and the other <laughs> and I'm just, you know, I'm not like you. I cannot – I'm not a spreadsheet lady. <laughs> The, the task of numbering one to ten my favourite books is like seriously not a pleasurable activity, whereas you're like, oh, my God, I've done eight lists so far and I've never felt more alive. And I'm like, all right, I've agreed to do a couple, but then I'm out after yes. that. But uh, so our different approaches will be will be evident. But um, and then oh, there's lots of just salty lo- tales. <laughs> salty tales, a lot of insults. And a lot of um, us talking, sharing our thoughts on, I don't know, all sorts of stuff from um, how to write, how to read, how to how to friend people, how to, how to unfriend survive people. survive on to, social media. Yeah, there's t- tonnes of interesting stuff, a bit of cooking stuff. Um, so it's coming out on the 28th of September, but you can pre-order it now. So there's a few ways you can do that. You can just pre-order it from wherever you like to buy your books um, or you can pre-order it from Booktopia where there is a 10% discount for pre-orders if you use code the word code Fairy Wren. Fairy Wren. Um, and, and we'll be signing a bunch yes. of those, I think. Um, we'll be we will. So you can have the option of ordering a signed copy, which we will um, while stocks stop, last. <laughs> while yeah, stops last. I've already said I'm only going out there once to to sign. So uh, yeah, so we'll we'll sign as many as we can over one day, and then uh, that'll be that'll be that. So yeah, 28th of September, and also we'll be doing. I won't rattle through the dates, but we'll put them up online at some point. We we are doing a national book tour, so we'll be coming NBT. to various uh, cities and uh, pending a federal election, which we're sort of slightly worried. What if that? Happens? I think we're out of the woods there, mate. Have you so. noticed the place is on fire? <laughs> it's an election this year. Who knows? But hopefully, first two weeks of October, we'll be schlepping around the country, um, you know, with a, with a suitcase full of books. <laughs> Which sales will be carrying. And the, the other thing that's great about the book is um, Gwen has done the design. Oh my gosh, it, it looks it looks fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really great. So anyway, I'm actually I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I'm super proud of it actually. I and am too. It's good. I um I was a bit worried. Like we've sorry, you go. We're both a bit worried. You like a dude? What? (laughs) (laughs) We're both a bit worried. No, we were. But what I noticed about the process, I reckon this is the first time that I've been involved in writing a book where I haven't cried at some point. Yeah, the crying is very central for me with writing, (laughs) cry writing. 
But also, and I would actually say that about this podcast too, actually. I think, like I walked in here this morning so tense and stressed and thinking I've got to get, you know, this done, I've got to get these podcasts done. I've got so many other things to do today. I'm freaking out. And I already feel 100% more relaxed. But it's mainly that. I think. Isn't it funny this... because it's not like you've got any less work to do. You've got the same amount of work to right. do. But, but I know because I often arrive exactly feeling exactly the same yeah. and just feeling, God, God damn. I've got to and now I've got to do this. Podcast. Why are we doing this podcast? God, why do we agree with this? And yeah. the truth is that it's, we. I think of it as like, oh, that's more work we've got to do. But actually in the execution, it's not work. It's just really interesting. Yeah. And it produces something. And I think the book has been a bit like that too, partly because Miranda's been very good at, organizing it and structuring it but also it just has been less hard because somehow you know a group exercise can be can get the same amount of work done but make it feel like less like work do you know what's also funny is um when I read the proofs um (laughs) I don't like to blow smoke up your ass but sometimes you are so funny like there's 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 points where uh, Murph's written down transcripts of conversations we've had. There was one in particular that springs to mind. It's actually a transcript from an old podcast where I read you aloud extracts from my novel Flora's Fancy. Oh, oh yes, I, I do recall that. <laughs> and some of your interjections are so hilarious when, when you see them written in paper. I just cannot believe that you came up with them off the top of your head on the on the go. I was crying with laughter when I read it because I'd forgotten. I just had forgotten. Well, you were feeding out some pretty rich material, mate. <laughs> Wasn't that hard? <laughs> well, yeah, the humour's partly in your interjections and it's partly in the just absolute just muck that I'm uh, dishing up. But anyway, it was when I read the proofs, I was cacking myself at certain points. Well, this book is better than Flora's Fancies, <laughs> even. It, it includes, uh, I, th- I believe there's an actual photograph of yeah. Flora's Fancies. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the visuals are yeah fantastic. So anyway, so 28th September, that'll be out. So people, people had asked us a lot uh, over the years, would we do a Chat 10 book? And I've always said no, because I just felt like I wasn't interested in doing it. To me, it felt too like much work. too much work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just felt like, oh, I'm just not really that interested in doing that. If I had time to write something, it's not what I want to do. But when we sort of were stuck and we weren't going anywhere, we suddenly thought, you know what? Between the three of us, maybe we could do this yeah. and it won't be as much work as we think. Actually, do you, do you know what it did make me think? When you when you do split a book between three people, oh, my God, it makes life, A, much more fun because you're collaborating yeah. with people and, B, you, you're only doing one-third of the actual work. Yeah, so. although one of us is doing their share of the work straight up and one of us who shall remain named is like posting it in on the day before the due date. <laughs> no um, detail about who that person might be. Yes. No detail. We'll, um, yeah, and Murph, Murph to date has also done uh, the huge amount of the heavy lifting and she'll be sitting back resting on her laurels when we're out uh, having to flog it out of the boots of our car. <laughs> she'll be sitting on some island somewhere sipping a cocktail. But also, I mean, how weird that all of this would arise from our rather feckless decision six or seven years ago, however long it was, to just maybe start an experimental podcast. It's, it's, it's so funny. still boggles my mind what what has sort of come up out of nothing. I mean, it's, it. yeah, I think I just actually wrote the acknowledgements, my um, acknowledgements yesterday. Gentle reminder, you better do oh, yours. Shit. Okay, I did it right. <laughs> um, and... 
I just I said something at the end like um, I feel like you know for the rest of my life it'll always give me a warm fuzzy feeling to think about this podcast you know, even if we stopped doing it tomorrow and I think oh, even geez, after it- our next year's horrific falling out <laughs> exactly even when I throw a hairdryer at you on the national book tour <laughs> um, yeah it just it really amazes me how just all these this massive network of people that have sprung up and who will like each other and it's amazing but aren't podcasts just interesting too because. Oh yeah. When we've had like the existential discussion about what's happening to newspapers and media and blah blah blah, you know, over the last oh, I don't know decade, how long have we been having that discussion? Seems like forever. Um, I reckon the thing that I didn't see coming was how audio would kind of spring well, up and occupy a space that is actually different from radio but also just be so powerful? I guess we must have, though, seen it on some level because otherwise why did we start doing the podcast? They must have just been, like, that's fair while. That was 2014 yeah, that we Yeah, but we, we weren't started. doing it as a kind of let's take over the media landscape. No, that's true. We were true. just, just sort of having a bit of fun. Yeah, that's but true. Like, I do think there is this powerful um, place that podcasts have that, can convey ideas and point you towards things that you'd never thought about and um, and fill you with wonder and curiosity in a way that and, – and you can absorb them in a way that you can't absorb television or books. So the fact that you can listen to a podcast when you go for a run or when you are doing housework or when you're on the bus gives you this – I don't know, it's like a um, – an experience that is very intimate. Well, do you know what it's a little bit like, I reckon? You know how you said it gives you experiences of things you hadn't really thought about? It's like in the olden days when you used to read a newspaper or something and you'd read story because you had to read, you know, flick through from start to finish. Something would catch your eye that you thought you had no interest in and then you've suddenly read a thing about termites or whatever. And so podcasts can be a bit like that where you're just listening to something because, you know, you like the person hosting or whatever and suddenly they're doing an episode about the history of something or other and you're like, oh, wow. So it gives you that that sense. That is one of the things that's kind of dropped out of the newspaper experience in this sort of new world of bespoke media or like people who get their news through social media it means that they only see stuff that they already agree with or that their friends think is good and they've been hanging out with their friends 24 7 so they yeah. don't get new stuff but yeah. I mean I think podcasts are, are a really great and rich source of new accidental insights I've been listening to this one actually just on my way here today called um sideways yeah and it's a BBC podcast it's presented by a guy called Matthew Side sorry I've no idea who he is but um a person I trust recommended this podcast to me and it is is side spelt S Y E D? It's S Y D E. No, S Y E D. Oh yes, S Y E D. I think I might have interviewed you. So, actually. but it's called sideways, but it's not. Thank God, spelt S Y D E ways. <laughs> oh, so, but it's kind of it, it's got a little bit of the Malcolm Gladwell's about it because it's about sociological phenomenon phenomena. God, sociological phenomenons. You know what I mean. Um, and so, so episode one, for instance, is about. The history of Stockholm syndrome. You know how like it's, it's a concept that everybody knows about now. This sort of idea that people who, you know, are, are taken captive or who are, you know, hostages will, in some circumstances, start to identify yeah. with their captors. And it all goes back to this bank robbery in Sweden where these violent criminals in like took hostages from their bank staff, and then after a while, after a couple of days locked in this vault, the bank staff are like calling the prime minister to like tell him to do what this guy says partly because they're like well this guy's not a bad dude you know (laughs) yeah anyway so 
somebody gave it the name Stockholm Syndrome and since then this theory has been sort of developed and developed and developed. But what this podcast does, which blows my mind, is actually talks to one of the women who was the hostage. Oh. And apparently like none of these psychologists who have written or devised the, the analysis and the concept of Stockholm Syndrome have ever talked to her. And so she tells her own story about what it was like, A, to be in the middle of this unbelievable situation and then to find herself as the, as the central character <laughs> in, in this. psychological theory. Right. This and reminded me of a pod that I think you recommended to me. Um, oh, I forget what the name of the pod is, but it's where they look at commonly held beliefs and they flip it around. And yeah. they, they talked about the Patty Hearst case oh, and they also okay. talked about Stockholm. Was that you? That, no. Uh, oh. Was it? You're wrong about, or one of those. Yeah, things? it's you're wrong yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Y- yeah, that's right. You're wrong about Stockholm syndrome, yeah. and it picks apart exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. I thought you recommended that to me. Uh, mm. No, I don't think I've heard that one. Okay. But um, but then it also goes into how this theory has been extended into um, domestic violence situations, where it's sort of overlaid thinking about the answer to this question you hear asked all the time. Well, why didn't you just leave? And he actually talks to Jess Hill a little bit about how misplaced, as an analogy, Stockholm Syndrome is for oh, a domestic violence. domestic violence situation. It was just – anyway, it just made me think in the current environment we're talking about like sort of men developing theories about women that don't actually have anything to do with the way women think. It just – it was a really interesting um, episode to listen to. And the second episode of Sideways is about um, – about Sally Clark, that um, mother in the UK who whose two children, um, sim- um, one after another, died of sudden in- infant death syndrome, and she was charged with their murder on the evidence of Roy Meadows, who was who basically said there's one in seventy three million chance that mm. um, this would happen twice to the same person. So mm. you know she must be guilty, and she was later released, and he was disbarred, like he, he had completely kind of messed up his expert evidence. So, and this episode looks at um, how people rate um, probability and how they have established ideas of um, what they think happened and it completely um, overshadows their ability to look objectively at things like statistical probability. This is right in your It is. I love all this stuff, although it is hard to get your head around. I spent a lot of time researching this for Any Ordinary Day. It's this theory of... I know. I was was a witness to your mathematical (laughs) calculations. I just like to apologise yet again to the good people at the Australian Bureau of Statistics for how many times, Michael Wilson in particular, for how many times I had during the day. Okay, let me read this to you. Is this right? <laughs> um, no, but it's the theory of if I said to you, um, I just threw 10 heads in a row on a coin, so, you know, what do you think my chances yeah. are now throwing a head? You're going to go, well, there's no way you can throw 11 heads in yeah. a row. Um, but actually the point at which I ping that coin into the air, it's still a 50-50. Right, yeah. Um, but it's very I, – I personally find probability – it feels counterintuitive exactly, to me a lot yeah. of things and so it's it's sort of tricky. So what that dude's obviously done is just gone, well, your chance of having um, a still uh, yeah. a sudden infant death yeah. syndrome is, you know, one in 10 million – 
times by yeah. one in ten million yeah. again and got the number, which does not. It doesn't make actually work like 73 million, that. Seventy-three million. So yeah, it's like causality your... too. Yeah. It's another thing where people <laughs> right. go, this happened, so it caused that. Well, actually, not necessarily. Right. But, but it's human brain always looks for causality. Exactly. So anyway, it's 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 a really good podcast, but it, I love the ones that are um, that give you a chance to learn a story from history, but then um, derive something from it that possibly wasn't derived properly at the time because I think yeah. often hindsight is like looking back at history that's had a bit of chance to breathe yeah. often gives you like a massively different oh, totally. result. Can I tell you about a pod I listened to recently that just made mm. me so happy? Um, it is Rob Lowe's podcast. It's called Literally with what? Rob Lowe. Oh, okay. I didn't know uh, he did a podcast. And it's Rob Lowe interviewing Michael J. Fox. No. Yes. Oh, now these two, they're probably my two favourite oh. 1980s stars. They certainly would have been my two major crushes of the 1980s. Did you have a crush on Alex P. Keaton? I loved I loved everything Michael J. Fox did, and I I remember still my mother taking me to see Back to the Future yeah. at the cinema at Greensboro. I was so excited, um, and I just I loved Alex P. Keaton in Family Ties. I loved Marty McFly. I just loved Michael J. Fox. And one of the things that makes me feel so um, warmly towards Michael J. Fox is I think. Okay, you were somebody when I was a child that I just absolutely loved and I put on a pedestal and I thought you were fantastic and you have so lived up to it. And I just think that... you ever interviewed him? No, but I'd love to. But I just think he has turned out to be the most incredible human being under the most trying of circumstances. And he sort of goes into it a bit in this pod where he's really had very poor health from quite a young age, really Mm. pretty much off the back of, you know, Back to the Future and all of that. But he's gone on to sort of, you know, do Spin City and have a career and do, um, you know, The Good Wife, lots of great things. Um, But, oh, my goodness, he's just, it's just been a constant, constant struggle for him. Oh, I'm so listening to that. It's great. And Rob Lowe is really funny and he starts starts off by saying, um, you know, Michael J. Fox, I mean, you know, he has done films that just stay with you and they have changed the culture. I am, of course, talking about... Teen Wolf. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and then he just constantly rips the absolute piss out of Michael J. Fox about Teen Wolf the entire time. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, so they just have some really great sort of. Are they um, friends? I mean, they. They are yeah, friends, right, okay. yeah. But they apparently hated each other in the 80s because Michael J. Fox wasn't part of the Brat Pack. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Uh, and he was a bit insecure about that, apparently. And so they, they sort of didn't like each other and then they became buddies later. But I mean, there's so many golden moments in it. But one of the best is um, where they're talking about how they've realised because they're, you know, older dudes whose heyday of their career was now 40 years ago, 35 years ago. When they sit on a film set now, Michael J. Fox said, I realised I sort of get treated in a certain way and I've realised, oh, my God. I'm Jimmy Stewart. I'm like when I was <laughs> on movie sets in the 80s and people would be like, oh, my God, that's Jimmy Stewart over there in the corner. Oh, my God. Wow. It's so, and they both talk about that and how they've realised, oh, yeah, we're, the, like, we're that dude now when we show up on film sets. Um, but there's just lots of funny little um, behind-the-scenes things. The, the, the title of the episode's called Exterior Jungle, I think it's Exterior Jungle Night Rain or something like that. And it stems from Michael J. Fox doing this war film where it was, he said, the most miserable experience of his life to the degree that if he says, if I ever see a script that has uh, at the opening of a scene, exterior jungle night rain, it's just like in the bin immediately. <laughs> it was such a miserable experience. And then they kept talking about the word jungle. Like, does anyone do a jungle film these days? <laughs> it's just, it's really funny. Anyway, I highly, highly recommend it. One thing I'd say is, 
Michael J. Fox's voice is um, getting compromised by his Parkinson's. Yep. But if you just persevere for about five minutes, your ear uh, clicks in and then you can understand him really oh, okay. well. It just right. takes his second to sort of get what, what he's, um, the sort of pattern of his speech is. Oh, okay. So if you just push through the first five minutes, your ear clicks in and then you can follow it. No worries at oh, all. Oh, that's good advice. So, right. Yeah. But it's just, it's totally, I was just smiling the entire time. It was oh, fantastic. Okay, right. Yeah. That's on my list. For, for anyone who grew up in the 1980s, just get just right stop there. listening to this right now and just go listen to that <laughs> okay. immediately wow okay well done um i also do love a scam podcast oh I'm, you, I'm do. Too, you do i'm you love. too you love a scam. i love a scam <laughs> i love a bit of true crime as you know and yes. i try not to overdose on true crime because it's just can get a bit scary um i've been listening a little bit to a new series called mapping evil which is tori shepherd Journal, oh yeah. Um, interviewing a guy called Mike King, who's a criminal investigator, and they're looking at um, the role of geography in crime. So, like, oh. um, bunches of you know the highway murders. Like, what? How do highways affect you know? I mean, <laughs> oh, what quite, a great idea! It's quite niche, but it's swamps. Uh, how does swamps? I know. How does a swamp work? Anyway, it's um. So I've just, <laughs> anyway, that's just a, a niche, but you know, up my alley type of thing. Um, but. The one that I've been listening to um, and really loving is a scam one and it's the Financial Reviews podcast called The Sure Thing. Yeah. Um, and it's about the two guys, you know, a few years back, two young men who were done for Australia's biggest insider trading um, scandal. Yeah. So one of them worked for this, um, you know, um, he was in a, you know, he was a trader and um, – his friend from school was working at the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And so the friend, Chris, had access to, you know, all the employment figures and, oh, yeah. the, you know, so basically um, all of those stats, he saw them before they were publicly oh, announced. Yeah. And it's really interesting because the experts that are um, interviewed in this podcast say, look, it's sort of an amazingly simple and victimless crime that they came up with, no one to our knowledge has ever done this before. So what they did was the um, Lucas, who was the trader, said to Chris, who we ran into at some gathering for old school friends, he said, oh, you know, what are you doing now? I'm at the ABS. What do you do? Oh, I'm, you know, in, I'm in the stats. All right. So do you get those kind of all of those jobs figures and stuff before they come out? Yeah, yeah, I'm part of that process. And so Lucas, the trader, has said, hey, um, got a scheme for you like why don't we get a pair of burner phones and you can just text me the details of the about to be announced you know jobs figures because it these stats when they are released to the market cause a fluctuation in the Australian dollar right so if you are oh. if you're currency trading and if you have that information you know 20 minutes before anybody else you can buy and sell currency knowing what the likely fluctuation in the currency will oh, be when God. the ABS stats come through. Like it's wow. an amazingly elegant, simple scheme. Yeah. But the podcast, A, interviews Chris, who's a really such a fascinating character because, A, he's willing to talk about it. He's been to prison and he's wow. out now. But he also talks about how they came up with it 
and he's also a completely different character from Lucas. So the original plan that they put together was, okay, we'll keep this small, we'll be super cautious about it, and they calculated, they said they would um, set up accounts and they would make $200,000 on which they would pay tax Yeah, and then they would dismantle it. And Lucas set up the accounts and set up the trades and it worked like a charm. Um, How did they get busted? Well, he didn't tell Chris, but he also opened up some other accounts for himself while I'm here. So Chris ended up making something like $25,000 out of the scheme. nothing. Lucas made about $7 million. And he like he bought one of the apartments off the block. He was like, <clears throat> like wow. fast cars, all sorts. And so he just pulled too much. He got because he was making mm-hmm. too much money. Right. Yeah. Oh. But the investigation is absolutely fascinating because they interview the cops and and the ASIC oh, that people. Awesome. Yeah, it's really. Did you say that's ma- mapping evil? No, 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 no. This is um, it's called zone. the Sure Thing. Oh, the Sure Thing. Yeah, okay, it's it's put together by the um, oh the AFR. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right, sorry. But the other thing that is really just as a side note, <laughs> super interesting about this about this series. And I don't know what to think of this. It's sponsored by a forensic accounting firm, right? <laughs> so every like. <laughs> There's ads through the episodes that are like, hello, got a horrible disgrace that you want to like <laughs> suss out in your company. And so like, it's like, it's the best ad placement ever. This company, I won't name them the firm, <laughs> sponsored a really interesting series about white oh, collar crime. Great. And they're just peppering it with, you know, got any white collar crime issues? <laughs> Come to us. So it's, like, it's absolutely brilliant. But also, well, it's a new age of journalism, but um, it's I. I'm I'm absorbing it the second it comes out every new episode. Oh, so, great! Okay, yeah. that do you know what I saw a reference to that on the Fin Review yesterday, and I just did not catch my interest at all. But now that no, I've heard you talk about it, it sounds oh, fantastic. It's awesome because like the dynamic between these two guys is really interesting. They, is Chris they, pissed off at Lucas? Okay, this is the fascinating thing because if I were he, I'd be like, "Wow, oh, I'm thanks, the patsy, yes. taking the professional risk, doing yes. the wrong thing at my work." And we've got this plan, we've got the, you know, the agreed small scale of it. And then to find out that your pal not only went off and harvested all this other money, but also in his decision to do that actually caused the exposure. Did he go to prison as well? Yeah. Okay. So, um, but Chris, not resentful. He is such an interesting character oh. because her, his view of it is, I did the wrong thing. And yeah, I, had, I got I caught, but I made the decision to do it. Yeah. Now, the fact that I got caught mainly because my friend was worse than me is not something that he is thinking or pursuing. It's a know, really fascinating. I, I don't approach. know if it's because of any ordinary days in my mind because we are talking about it before, but mm. it's another thing that I researched in that, which is accepting personal responsibility correlates better with recovery than blaming other people ah. in, in terms of yeah, um, right. you know life, in my book, obviously, life-altering mm. uh, injuries and mm. stuff but you know this is obviously a life-altering experience but accepting that either um it's my responsibility or um it was something that couldn't have been avoided yeah. co- correlates with better adaptation and adjustment than oh, it was annabelle crab's fault you know if annabelle crab's done this to me that it was i'm guilty <laughs> yeah it doesn't Sorry. correlate with good coping apparently well he's a really fascinating character i'm really interested in his responses anyway great great series the other one that i've really um 
got into in the last few weeks is a series called Power the Maxwells, which is about <laughs> Robert Maxwell and Ghislaine. Because you know I love a media lunatic. Do you know the thing that I most, love a baron. The thing that mostly leapt out at me actually with the previous anecdote was yeah. that you've listened to so many of these scammy kind of podcasts. It's just how easily the term burner phone slipped out of your mouth. I know. I know what that, I know what that is, man. Um, but you probably know how to get one now too. No, I've no idea. Is that a burner phone that's no, just sitting there? It's a it's a it's regularly dropped normal one. Uh, so I mean, this is just essentially, you know, the life story of Robert Maxwell, which I'd always sort of been vaguely familiar with, but oh my gosh, just such a fascinatingly weird dude. And of course, you know, he died, disappeared off his yacht, assumed drowned, but certainly one of his many many children, the infamous Ghislaine Maxwell, mm. thinks that he was murdered. So it sort of it flows into her and what she was like as a kid, and then. Um, what happened to her as an adult too. But just Maxwell himself, who who grew up, you know, dirt poor in Eastern Europe and um, <laughs> and then he kind of fled Eastern Europe, um, moved to the UK, did not speak English and according to various biographical accounts, like became fluent in English within a matter of months and was multilingual, had this incredible facility for languages. And even, you know, by the time he was a very high profile media magnate, he had a very plummy sort of British accent, but also was notorious for, you know, just sort of slipshod deals and Private Eye, um, the editor, long term editor of whom Ian, what's his name, Hislop, who is often in on Have I Got News For You, is great. He's he's interviewed for this series and he remembers all of these battles that Private Eye had with Robert Maxwell. On one occasion, they um, they um, uh, completely sabotaged um, Maxwell's newspaper by sending a big box of scotch around to the newsroom so that all the journos got massively drunk because they know journos. <laughs> and then they walk, just walked in to the office and just started holding court in there. I mean, it's like amazing tactics, but... Also, they came up with the nickname for um, Robert Maxwell, who was famous for not paying people and was born in um, Czechoslovakia. They called him the Bouncing Czech. Wouldn't you be happy if you came up with that nickname? <laughs> I mean, you'd reti- you'd retire happy if you the came up with the Bouncing Czech. Oh, that's, just... <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, that is very impressive. Um, so podcasts. Podcasts, yeah, them. podcasts. Um, I just, I know I mention this podcast just about every time, but can I just give one mention of Strong, strong songs, songs? Strong songs. Yeah, you knew it. Just that they've got an episode, a Bowie episode, and it's Kirk's done um, Starman and um, oh, what's Grand Control? What's the song called? Grand Control Major Tom? Space Oddity. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think what the title of it is. Space Oddity and Starman. He does two Bowie songs in the yep. run episode. And it's just, oh, I mean, okay. that's pleasurable. I don't need yeah. to tell you anymore yeah. about Kirk and how wonderful yeah. he is. But um, I was at a party on Saturday night and this bloke came up to me and I've just got to thank you for strong songs. Oh. I was like, you are welcome, sir. <laughs> Floral tributes to the stage door. All um, right, looks no, like no, we've got no, to run, right? We've got a lot to do, yeah, so we better get out of here. <laughs> All right. uh, but anyway, book, well done. Yes, that's what we, that's what we started this. 28th September. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it actually is quite good. I mean, it's... It is. Oh, I'm, surp- I'm a surprised would, I know anyone. that we would say that, but, you know, but also really, we would probably say if it was crap. So it's not. It's good. It's funny. The end. The end. <laughs>